Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Election night in late night with Jared Hill. Welcome to Debate Night in Late Night. I'm Jared Hill. It has been quite a night in New Hampshire. We have seen seven candidates stand before us and uh, tell us why they think they should be president of the United States. I am joined in studio by... A cast of characters that I'm grateful to have with me. Uh, Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Welcome aboard. Hi. I can't hear you, (laughs) Ryan. Hello. Uh, And uh, one of our very favorite people to have around all the time is Charjocel. Navarro. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I love that you're always Navarro. (laughs) Um, And we have Rance Collins joining us as well. Rance, thank you for being here. Oh, it is. It is a pleasure. This is Channel Q, right? I didn't get it a second ago. You... you <laughs> um, it has been, like I said, it's been quite a night uh, with all of the candidates. And I feel like this is the first time we've seen all of the candidates really kind of going after each other. They've, they've been, the, the gloves were kind of off there at the beginning. And it was kind of interesting to now see them, now that we've had one election and they've started to like really see where they're falling in, in the votes. I think it's been interesting to kind of watch them going after each other. Um, I think that it's hard to say who really walked away the best mm-hmm. tonight. Um, but I think that who looked like they were really fighting to try and be relevant was Joe Biden tonight. Um, Joe Biden was really, really struggling. Well, yeah, uh, Joe, it's interesting. Joe's, I don't think Joe's ever turned in like an exceptional debate performance this entire time. You're 100% right. And Joe has coasted on his name recognition, the fact that he's, you know, pretty well liked by people in general. And uh, he's mentioned Obama as many times as he possibly can. Um, But I don't know if debate performance matters as much for Joe Biden, because I think I think ultimately Joe Biden right now is just biding his time until he gets to South Carolina. Well, I think that's that's part of uh, what we saw happen this week. So obviously the Iowa caucuses happened and they went completely awry. Mm -hmm. But I think that going awry has helped Joe Biden in a way that it really didn't help other people. Mm -hmm. I think it hurt Joe. It hurt uh, Pete Buttigieg. I think it hurt um, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. But I don't think it's it's hurt Joe Biden because Joe Biden did not need that night to come out and have to talk about having come in fourth place. No, he really benefited from the fact that I bet you most people in the country right now don't even know what the results were because people tuned out. Well, yeah, he's the one that actually, I think, like you said, and I, I, I totally agree with this point, that he has kind of failed forward this entire time. Um, I think he's been able to just sit high on his like mighty perch and be like, oh, I, no one's going to even like come near me. No malarkey. But, yeah, and I think he's no been... malarkey. <laughs> oh my God, why did I've you make me remember that? Life. But he's like really embraced it like in a crazy way that I think is really stupid. Well, yeah, because it's probably the only word he can say. But um, wow. I think it's quite interesting that um, not only him, I would have thought Amy Klobuchar wouldn't have had like a, a she had a somewhat decent night. Than she that. did like a little bit better than she's had um, in a lot of other Democratic. The FDR can I pause story. You, can I really I, liked her FDR story. Can I that. pause you with Amy Klobuchar? Because I feel like every debate she's had less and less bang. 
Like, I mean, <laughs> well, just from like a, somebody said from a superficial <laughs> standpoint, like I think they've been like the shaky bang thing. Like it's gotten less and less banging. Well, Today and, there was no bang. It was like and all it looked darker, back. right? I I feel like they are they're recognizing that like people are joking about her bangs and it's like distracting from her narrative. And I'm like. Today, I was like, oh, they are completely well, pulled back. Well, what is Rachel Dratch going to do? Uh, right. Exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> according to a huge chunk of Twitter, and even, I don't know how valid this is, so I'm not going to link the network ABC to this, but people are crowning her the winner of tonight's debate. That's interesting she, to me. She I, did have a good night, which was surprising. Just because she had a good night doesn't mean she's the winner of anything. I don't, my thing is, Amy, just be, I, like I said, just because you had that moment, um, Amy is not going to ever come out on top for me. I think she did well, but I don't think she's going to win anything at all. She maybe secured. Yeah. She's running for, I think, a cabinet position at this point. Which I do think that could possibly happen. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think Amy's definitely set herself up well to be a cabinet a cabinet uh, yeah. official. But, like, she's not adding anything to anyone's vice presidential ticket. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't... I, I was saying to someone earlier, I think that Amy Klobuchar has shown, like, she's got, like, something worth saying. And, mm-hmm. like, she has a position that's worth... Uh, that's viable for uh, being a part of the conversation. However, I don't see people being excited and enthusiastic to go vote vote for her. And ultimately she might be siphoning off votes from I mean like I don't want to I don't want to accuse a candidate of being in the race and possibly taking away votes from another candidate who could come out on top, but I do see Amy crosses a is a cross section uh between Joe Biden and uh Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg and all those people. Like there's a lot of those voters that are going with Amy and it is you know, at least a significant percentage, and they might go behind someone else that could help them the, help the more moderate cause in the party. The person I thought also had a really interesting tonight, night tonight was Tom Steyer. Oh yes, Tom Steyer the got blacks. in some good moments. He, Tom <laughs> Steyer was like, he was like, oh, I've got some things to say, um, and like, mind you, I'm going to get into the one where I really thought that he he knocked it out of the park the best. But um, first, he was talking. The first moment that I thought Tom Steyer really kind of showed himself, he was. We're talking about Pete Buttigieg and how Pete Buttigieg doesn't have enough experience uh, to be able to to really be at this table. And this is what uh, Tom Steyer had to say. But we're going to have to take Mr. Trump down on the economy because if you listen to him, he's crowing about it every single day and he's going to beat us unless we can take him down on the economy, stupid. And that's the issue here. It is not about who has the best health care plan. All the health care plans are better, a million times better. The question is, who can go toe to toe with Mr. Trump? Who can take down Mr. Trump because he's the real threat to the country? And let me say, you have to have experience to take him down. This is not a question of he's a nice guy who's going to listen. We need people with experience. That's why I'm worried about Mayor Pete. You need to be able to go toe-to-toe with this guy and take him down on the debate stage or we're going to lose. And that's actually the issue in front of Democratic voters. I have heard this debate so many darn times and I love all these people and they're all right. We can, if we win, we can get the right thing, Bernie. I am with you. If we win, we can get the right thing, Pete and Amy. But we got to win or we are in deep trouble and we keep not talking about the facts. Mayor Pete. Yep. So, you want, Rance, I saw you wanted to chime in. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else saw the um, the article today. It was an interview with James Carville. It was a response to something he said on MSNBC that went viral. Carville was trending today. Yeah, and he basically said, like, we have to stop talking about these issues that only are far left talking points. Mm-hmm. Don't go left. Go talk to the 
people in the middle talk about everyday issues. Stop talking about dream college and dream healthcare plans when there are everyday kitchen table issues that we have to discuss that actually affect everyday American problems. And we have to do that because we actually have to defeat the Antichrist. Basically. Yeah, but I also would push back on that. I think that those are also very kitchen table problems. I do think people they are, are worried it's about that. It's new. It sounds like this man is saying no malarkey. Yeah. Well, the thing that the thing that he you points out malarkey, is that the is well, that by the, definition, that's what he's excusing the issues that may face some of the most marginalized yes. communities within the Democratic Party okay. and calling it just kind of like hogwash. So I guess it's in the idea of it being a dream thing is like, oh yeah, it might not happen in our lifetimes right now, but I do. I don't think that it's not valid to bring no, up. No, I think what and what he says in the thing is um, like with the whole free college situation. Right. If you harp too much on that, you're going to really trigger all these people that are like, "Well, I paid all this money to go to college," and people have these negative reactions, like the woman who confronted Elizabeth Warren on that very issue. Sure, I, so I've, I've heard uh, conversation about this a lot on Bill Maher and like on things being too far to the left, and it's it's always interesting to me on Bill Maher because. I'm. I've watched Bill Maher since I was a kid. Like I used to watch Politically Incorrect back in the day, and they they kind of watered down what issues are the most important to being moderate issues, and that frustrates me because they often they always tie in like woke Twitter into that conversation, okay. and I and it's always interesting to me to hear that conversation amongst like four white people because really. it's dog whistle, it's gaslighting typically. Because well, like because it always erases like the trans people, the LGBTQ people, the people who want to have like. Be called by their names or by their gender it often removes race and all of those different things and so that gets frustrating for me I do think there is some some value in the way that we we look at that because there is uh, there there are people that we have to be able to bring to, to the other side of the fence but it also frustrates me because I'm not exactly sure if if we're being the big tent that we say that we are we've already started off as the most diverse group of candidates that we've ever had and now we're all down to seven white people mm-hmm. that are here on this stage right. and so I I when then I hear people People talking about race and actually race was probably the more interesting part of the debate tonight because they all started Absolutely. really having interesting conversation about it but it frustrated me because Tom Steyer came in and said you know I'm the no one has said anything about race at all um, and this is how that exchange went not said one word tonight about race not one word are you kidding me we have the most diverse party we have a very diverse country we have a very diverse party the heart and soul of this party is diversity, black people, Latinos, AAPI people, Native you Americans, and white people. But for goodness sakes, pull it together. This, we're talking about something different. The question we have is, how are we getting that diverse group of people to the polls? What are we saying? Well, and like, I, I feel like we have this conversation every single election cycle. And as a person of color, like, you start to feel pandered to at some point, where it's like, how many times are we going to have this conversation? I know for myself, I have heard politicians, especially presidential candidates, talk about health care since I was born. We've talked about tax reform since I was born. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about immigration since I was born. And we've talked about how to be a, a bigger tent and welcome in more people and be more racially equal uh, since I was born. And so, like, I'm tired of that conversation um, and and how it, it got framed tonight. I also heard Elizabeth Warren say that tonight. And that was kind of an interesting uh, piece to me because she was talking about how she's continually heard this conversation. Um, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to make two quick references to our friends over at ABC's The View, since ABC hosted yes, the debate yes. tonight. Snap, snap. Um, just to piggyback off of uh, Rance's 
point that he made about James Carville. Yeah. Um, Megan McCain is a big fan of his, and she tweeted oh, um, that he is. You're <laughs> <laughs> in good company, Rance. Oh, no. She tweeted that James Carville is serving hard, cold truths about the failures of the Democratic candidates so far. She thinks uh, the question if the party wants to be an ideological. Idea, Ideological. Me. Thank you. you. Cult or actually win is the most valid one that she's heard in weeks. So I, a lot of people thought it was funny because she called the Democratic Party like a, uh, what's the word? Ide- Ideological. Thank you. Cult. And she is part of the Republican Party. <laughs> but also, like Sonny Hostin, <laughs> Sonny Hostin uh, made a point speaking to largely to what Jarrett said. She didn't tweet this, but she actually verbally said how much of a challenge this proves to be because the Democratic Party is so inherent. Apparently um, diverse mm-hmm. versus the Republican Party. It's just a one trick pony. Exactly. We yeah. know who we're getting. We know what we're signing up right. for. And with the Democratic Party, you have to kind of cover all of these bases in order to get people to the polls. I want to bring in another voice to the conversation. Um, she joined us on Monday. Uh, Deborah Cleaver, the founder of uh, Vote.org, is on the phone with us. Deborah, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. You've been listening to this conversation. I want I want to let you jump in wherever whatever was pressing on you. What, what are you feeling? Uh, no, no, no. I'm actually having a good time listening to you guys right now. Obviously, I have thoughts on the debate. That debate was fun, but you guys should keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be a devil's advocate when it comes to, to Tom Starr or Starr or whatever? Starr. Yeah. Starr. Um, Tom Starr. Do you feel like, and this is just a question for everyone, do you feel like, going back to kind of the point about pandering, do you feel like he was just kind of interjecting because he needed to make a kind of a name and a footprint for himself because he's really kind of not in this race? And yes. I do think I, this was a, a moment where he was really interjecting to a lot of kind of the top contenders and he was like just trying to be seen. And I think also... At this point, if you have zero percent of the black vote, you're not getting okay. anywhere. And I do think he's like, oh, and I'm not the saying blacks, that's his that's his yeah. results. Yeah, no. But I do think there's something to be said about, OK, are we are we truly meaning this? Or are you just trying to make a well, point to jump into this so you can have your press? So you're moment? saying it's his own pandering. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if he weren't doing that, we'd be sitting here saying, like, you got to jump in there and say something. Right. Like it's a it's a double edged sword for him mm-hmm. because people don't know Tom Steyer. Tom Steyer is not polling high. As you were I don't saying. know if people want to hear from him but, really that much. Well, I'm not. But he's that's billionaire the point. number two. That's the point. <laughs> Basically. But, Basically. But to that point, though, Tom Steyer, which my Tom Steyer stock has gone up with me a little bit. Tom Steyer is like, listen. <laughs> Listen, if reference. anyone's going to, <laughs> if, if anyone's going to pay attention to Tom Steyer and hear him out, he's got to jump into the conversation because just standing up there off to the side, kind of more like Andrew Yang tends to do, like it, it it's not going to get you time on screen. It's not going to get you clips on social media. Andrew Yang has a great following. Tom Steyer is still trying to make a, a, a name for himself, and he also has a history of that from the little bit that I do know about Tom Steyer of being really good on those issues, of being able to like help you know black women with entrepreneurship and being a philanthropist and also funding. Correct, correctional, like off, he, you know, he talked about that in the last debate of having uh, <laughs> correctional facilities now, right. and having changed his position and, on that and saying he didn't do it well. So, and, yeah. and my thing is with with Tom Steyer, even let's say you know, even if he is pandering, right? Yeah. What I appreciated about tonight on the debate stage is he said it with his whole chest. Yes. He did not half mm-hmm. step 
any of his points of as it pertains well, he has to. If you only have to. one chance to talk, then you need to make oh, it worth oh, it. Fair and enough. I, and I do think Elizabeth Warren is someone that actually I've seen, actually when she's speaking about people of color and marginalized groups, she's actually saying it from experiences of listening from people that are either oh, her team or bringing yeah. people are passing the mic. And that is something that I'm like, oh, if I'm comparing the two when we're talking about issues like this, I'm going to go into Elizabeth Warren lane before I go to a time well, She also comes from a state that has some diversity. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, right? she, she, this is well, something she's had to do. The thing about t- Elizabeth Warren is... From? Where is that oh, story from? Google? Well, Tom while you're doing that, Elizabeth Warren also is, does a very good job of like making me believe anything. Right? Like, Same. If Elizabeth Warren got up there and said, you know, the sky is green and I just did a backflip all the way down the hallway, I'd be like, well, maybe it is. Well, she, she has that you, school teacher vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, like, she was born in New York. He was born in New York. Oh, I was going to okay. guess oh, my God, that. I was just... I was just on Wikipedia looking up where he was born. <laughs> Literally nobody knew. I was it just shook because I forgot we had someone on the phone. Because no yeah. one cares. Why would anyone know if anyone cares about him? About, yeah. about Tom Sarton? No, yeah. what, do you think Tom he's Sarton. setting himself up to debate Michael Bloomberg, too? Do you think he's interjecting this now? It, which because is if Michael Bloomberg's going to gonna be in Nevada, they're, I mean, like, that's, they're going to go there. This is not a pissing contest. Yeah. We should not be like pissing towards like you know two billionaires. Deborah, I just, I don't know I'm, but I'm, I mean, like he's going to contrast himself with them. I'm curious about your perspective, Deborah, about Michael Bloomberg because he was brought up into the into the conversation today but he also was you know obviously not there and he's doing this unique thing about going to uh, just jumping ahead to Super Tuesday I'm curious how you think voters are going to uh, feel about um, Tom Steyer I mean excuse me uh, Michael Bloomberg and the way that he's running okay so I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm from New York and I was in New York when Bloomberg was mayor um, so I was, you know, as surprised as anyone else that the DNC changed the rules, like after the game had started so mm-hmm. that Bloomberg could participate. But I imagine the other candidates actually want him on the stage so that they can attack his record, which mm. has been less than stellar, uh, not just on race issues, but on labor issues, because right now. He's like just spending tens of millions of dollars and no one's been able to come at him, Mm -hmm. which is actually a really advantageous place for him to be. You Mm -hmm. know, he's like, um, yeah, he's just injecting a lot of money. So I think it'll be really interesting. Also, can I just say on a more lighthearted note? It would be hilarious just to watch like Steyer and Bloomberg debate each other. (laughs) Like, let's just like. I feel the same way. (laughs) I feel the same way. 651 billionaires in America. So it's not a huge voting block. So the fact that they have like two of their own running, it's like, let's just let them like remove themselves from the entire contest to the death, debate each other. Uh, One of you was hinting at this, that Steyer is like the second most popular billionaire running. Yes, that was rant right now. Yeah. That's like not really a position. Trademark. Uh, But... (laughs) That would well, you. I'm not going to take it. Well, Deborah, <laughs> I, think I, I think Deborah, I think you you make a really good point because you're talking about them wanting to be able to to challenge him on his record. Uh, today on Let's Go There, uh, Ryan and Shira were having a conversation about Hi. this about uh, Michael Bloomberg and a, a clip that resurfaced of him in 2016. Let's take a listen to that. Lord and, um, have mercy. Yeah, and oh, we'll talk about this on the oh other no, side. What's about to happen? If you want to know is somebody a good salesman, give him the job of going to the Midwest and picking a town and selling to that town the concept that some man wearing a dress should be in the locker room with their daughter. Oh, no. If you can sell that, you can sell anything. I mean, they just look at you and they say, what on earth are you talking about? And you say, well, this person identifies his or her gender as different than what's on their birth certificate. 
And they said, what do you, what do you mean? You're either born this or you're, or you're born that. Um, and so, oh God. Gross. obviously, oh God. he's going to have to answer for that. He is. <laughs> and he won't be ready. I, he, I don't think he will be ready. Even though he's trying to rebrand, you know, I saw that he has a new political ad where uh, I think it's from 2016 with President Obama, actually, mm-hmm. kind of like complimenting him. But that's like the central focus of his political ad, I guess, to kind of dig him out of some of the mud mm-hmm. that he has dug himself into. But there's no way that he can. I don't think some of his talking points that he made in the past, he's going to be able to dance. I would around. almost just rather, I, you know, he he said something earlier, uh, I I don't know if it was today or yesterday, where he said uh, when some wealthy DNC donors came up to him wanting to invest in his campaign, he was like, no, invest in the DNC and in the down-ballot races. And that made me, I really liked that he said that. But I kind of wish that he would just be taking his war chest and taking that that idea of investing in those down-ballot races. I just want him to do that. That's yeah. what you want, I want him to not to run for president. Yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I agree. I think the. Go ahead, Deborah. I was going to say, for what it's worth, I'm not entirely sure he is running for president. Why do you um, say that? That's a good because, point. Oh. Because it does seem okay. So first of all, he's already like committed to spending this war chest, um, you know, beating Trump. So mm-hmm. he's willing to back whoever actually gets the nomination. Mm-hmm. I've just wondered for a few weeks now if he actually is running for president. Wait, so what he's is your theory there? Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he's really in it. Like, I feel like if he was in it, he would have found a way to be on the stage right now or that he would have declared much sooner. I, I mean, this is, listen, it's just a feeling, but he is he is building a team right now that is ready to deploy to support whomever is the candidate. And it's just a feeling that he doesn't actually care if it's him. That's an interesting perspective. I actually kind I of agree. Totally with, wrong. No, I actually could really agree with that um, that feeling because it does feel like um, everything that he's done has been very calculated from um, his 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 own kind of thought process. And we talked about this earlier about stop and frisk. And then immediately before he announces his campaign, he's like, "Oh, I I, I didn't mean any of that. I take it back. I've grown from that. Whatever." Um, I don't oh, really please. know how he comes back from a statement like this. In my opinion, yes, you can talk about your growing, but it just doesn't feel like he's. He's trying to do a grassroots campaign. This doesn't feel like he's on the ground trying to get to know people. It's just like he's not. I'm going to throw money out there and look at you know how you know and, and this is so going to be controversial. Think, but the peasants look at me. I think the real challenge with what with this clip is the, the fact that it comes from 2016 and not 1995. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, you know 100%. what I mean. This wasn't this wasn't very long ago that he said this, and it's like yeah, 2016. I think that probably wasn't going to be okay to say. You, you know what I mean? Forgive. Into a microphone somewhere exactly there's no evolution there there's, there's no, no. There's, and I, I mean it's like, been four years but, but I mean maybe he saw Pose but I feel like even if he does yeah, Pose take is the, his favorite show yeah, if I'm he sure. takes the evolution route at the end of the day you still have to answer for it yes yeah. like he you can't just say oh I've evolved and, and dismiss people's apologize. you know side eyes about your statements you really and you can't just apologize yeah. like there's going to have to be some strategic answering for all of the all of his transgressions in the court of public opinion that he has done yeah because I, you have to you have to believe that in spite of the fact that he said that he's gonna stand up there and defend yeah and you um i you're not buying it I, you know that really upset me um i also would say that if he is just wanting to beat trump the problem is with him doing this all-out 
TV ad situation that's going to hit all these people who are in Super Tuesday states. My concern is that he's going to be taking votes and delegates away. He is. From candidates that are probably similar to him as far who as who they would vote for from Elizabeth Warren from uh Didn't this happen in 2016 uh, from, with the Jill Stein uh, and Joe Harambe? Biden. This is this is a Jill Stein situation. That yeah. is a very very this, it good sounds analogy. reminiscent of it. And w- it, we need to have the Dems as much as possible trying to rally around somebody well, they can beat Trump. I think we need to worry about the Bernie bros before we really worry about Bloomberg. Well, that's Bernie, the problem. The Bernie bros have Absolutely. already declared that if Bernie is not the nominee, then they are going to 53%, drop everything. Well, I was say, 52 or 53% yeah. of Bernie bros. There was, a, there was a, a survey that what came a disgrace. out. And they're strategic they were, about it. That they they were are not going to vote. For, they were looking at each candidate and asking their voters who they would vote, if they would vote for another person if their candidate wasn't the one. And the Bernie Sanders and I mean, it's not surprising, right? Like we yeah. saw how they were in 2016 and uh, I was at the convention and like the tone in the building was like, what are they about to do? Like yeah. you never knew what they were going to yeah. do. Um, and luckily, like Bernie Sanders came out and said he fully supported Hillary Clinton. But I don't know that we would see the same thing this time around mm-hmm. because Bernie Sanders you know has a crazy He buys into his own hype. Go ahead, Deborah. Sorry. Oh. Sorry, I, so I'm in New York too. I totally interrupt. I actually... <laughs> you got to get in there. It's fine. That... Uh, I think things are different this year. I think that Bernie would throw his... When he was, like, saying he supported Hillary in 2016, it didn't feel sincere. It was I'll say this. If it's, if it's Warren, I, I think it would be quite sincere. Those two have been, like, actual friends. For but if it's Bloomberg... Years. But he also lied on her on national television saying that he didn't. Come on. Uh, he Threw didn't, her he didn't actually under her. the so, bus. So, I mean, my thing is, I don't that know if so I really trust that. Yeah, girl, but yeah. it happens. I'm over the disappointment. I think at this point, it just He's shows. He's shown us who he is. Period. And what's the quote? <laughs> when, when someone shows you who you, who you are. Shout out to Maya. An- come on, Rance. It's Black History Month, and you're quoting the legendary Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, <laughs> when someone shows oh, you God. who you are, the believe them the first time. Yes. Shout out to Rance. Off quoted by 2016 presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Something. Yeah, <laughs> quoting <laughs> my, my yes. Okay, so we got to talk about Pete. Um, oh Pete Buttigieg has had an interesting week. We were actually uh, after the debate went off, we went and watched his interview on the View that happened mm-hmm. this week. Um, I, it seemed like the interview on the View, Ryan, seemed like it softened your heart a little bit because I know that you've been very. I'm critical <laughs> of him. I'm very critical of him, but I do think here's the thing. I don't. I know all of his good traits. He's very charming. He, yeah. he knows how to answer an interview question, and he also knows how to you know make his point very you know uh, not aggressive, but the word I'm looking for. Pointed. He's pointed, but he's very deliberate. Yeah. yeah. So I think we all know that, but there's just something about him that just feels off-putting. It doesn't feel like it's all the way there, in my opinion. Like I'm just, I feel like okay, I see you there, but it does, I just don't know if he has the background, the experience to really run our country and. Clearly, people in South Bend, Indiana, don't even see mm. him or want him, and I think that's very telling. And we have to know, we have to look at that. We shouldn't just be in a rush to get Trump out and just pick mm. any old body. I'm sorry, if yep. you can't handle South Bend, Indiana, you most definitely cannot handle the country. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair question. I think what was interesting it's to me, hundred thousand people. I think <laughs> that's it. Well, I think what's interesting to me about Pete Buttigieg is like he does answer questions really well, and he seems like he's thought about this a lot. He's smart. He's he seems like he's he's gotten it, but. Every time he has to talk about this with black folks, it always there's there's always like half of it that you're like, okay, I can really rock with that, and then there's another part where you're like, he's the WeHo gay. When race know. comes around, he walks away and goes to the bar and gets a drink. Oh, you know, man. I think saying he's the WeHo say, gay was the... actually like kind of nice to him. I mean, you know, I'm queer, and when I when I look at Pete, 
I'm like, I understand that you are gay, but I do not think that you bring a gay voice to the table. At you all. know Pete Buttigieg has never been in a WeHo bar? Are you crazy? Okay, so I want to... Like, so, so Deborah, I think... Although this, his husband? Is, I actually like uh, him a lot. So, so here's the thing. You know <laughs> what? I love the husband, too, but... I, I think this is an important I get conversation, a gay vibe though. from him. Because I, I want us to make sure that we, we highlight this. People said the same. Black people said the same thing about Barack Obama in 2008, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when you are a radical, different candidate, if you're Barack Obama in 2008, if you're Hillary Clinton in 2016, if you're Pete Buttigieg in 2020, you can't really lean into how different you are because <sighs> there tends to be there's already implicit like a, bias. Exactly, there's already a, a, a nervousness in the mm-hmm. electorate about that, and we saw how mm-hmm. it worked. <clears throat> we saw that it worked for Barack Obama to be able to like he he did like a speech on race, right, which really became like a big moment for him, but like. Barack Obama did not lean all the way into being black. No. Hillary Clinton really did not like talking about being a woman. She'd give you her white suit and she'd, she'd give you a little bit here and there. And I think Pete Buttigieg has to do the same thing. I don't think he can be out here in, in, a, in a harness and talking about that. how. Well, go ahead. Because I think I times have specifically changed. Like, I mean, times but have they evolved. Haven't changed that much. I know, but times have evolved when it comes to when we're talking about representation. But we said the same thing about race and we said the same thing about gender. Know. How I, is this different? I think it's completely different because I when we. This this is a historic situation. Not saying that obviously Obama wasn't historic, but I do think he had a more palatable. Like he was just, he just tasted better for a lot of people. It was just a lot better. People could take him in until Jeremiah Wright scandal happened. <laughs> I mean, right? But I do think it's with Pete Buttigieg as a queer person. It is very shocking that um, I feel like Elizabeth Warren is able to bring out queer, you know, um, queer issues to the but forefront. Ryan, with and when a queer person is examine, not actually navigating that first conversation, of all, the way that I see it is you have to examine the optics of it. Elizabeth is inherently, I think, going to have an easier time. It's going to be more palatable coming from her than him. Not to say that he shouldn't show up for his community, but I think for people who are... But it's also are, erasure, though, right? That's right? erasure. I feel, I, I feel like people who are so. on the margins who then run for things like political office, there is a high degree of respectability politics that have to come into play. I feel like you cannot fully be yourself, which which sucks, yeah. right? I'm not yeah. saying that's a good thing, but I feel like the, the respectability politics that Pete might subscribe to are is what are is going to help him but some people really don't even know if he's there I, or not. I think that realistically gonna, go ahead deborah i'll let you have the last word on this i'm sorry I, i'm just gonna throw something out there and then you guys can all jump on me for it i don't think pete is marginalized in the way that a lot of other people from marginalized he can pass. communities absolutely are. he's he not overtly gay pass. okay he did pass for a long time and honestly like true. if pete if we put the queer thing aside, right, which is what endears him to me, then I'm just left with someone who's a white man who doesn't have a lot of experience, who really, like, hasn't done a great job of being mayor of a diverse city. It's like if you remove the queer stuff, it becomes very hard for, like, me as, as just, like, a political person to support Pete. Okay, we got to totally take a, agree okay. with you. We got to okay. take a totally quick break. Um, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Pete because he had a couple of spicy moments that happened in the debate today. And then I want to know what you guys think about the, this debate happening in the context of this crazy week. We've got more dropped. We, I almost said drop the subject. Wow. Wow. More Flashback debate night. Friday. <laughs> more debate night in late night coming up next. Election night in late night with Jared Hill. Welcome back to debate night in late night. I'm Jared Hill and we are, uh, we're in the middle of this conversation and we're still kind of debating right now about whether or not Pete Buttigieg has been gay enough for you people. 
Um, and I we and I wanted to be able to finish this conversation out before we uh, moved on to the context of this week because I think the context of this week has been something really really important. And I thought George Stephanopoulos at the top of the debate did a great job of of setting that up. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, you were saying you wanted to finish your thought because you felt like you you didn't we say both exactly. Did. What you meant. Yeah. We both I don't feel did. like I didn't say what I wanted to say, but I do think that I don't I don't necessarily think I need him twirling gay flags around. But I don't also like Deborah's point. Um, there's nothing there's nothing visibly like queer that are even representing the communities that he's he's had issues with um you know queer publications where he's called them out i just feel like there's been no support of even trying to uplift and my thing is this is a historic moment for our community whether or not and if he's not if he's not going to show up for us in ways or even talk about the topics or policies in these debates then what is he there for in my opinion yeah i completely what is he there for i completely have to disagree with it because realistically i was talking about this uh, earlier on sidebar with with John Duran. Realistically, when you are gay in a space, when you walk into a room, immediately people are thinking about your sex if they know that you're gay. They think about who you're sleeping with, who you're married to, who you love, blah, blah, blah. He's past that all that. But that's not my point. My point is, when you are straight, like if you're Barack Obama, right? We're talking about the, the juxtaposition of Barack Obama and, not, and, mm-hmm. and the way that he asserted his blackness. Mm-hmm. Him bringing his wife on stage makes him look like a family man, right? It makes him look like a good husband. And like that's something that's a little bit more palatable for people. But when Pete Buttigieg brings Chastin or Ch- Chasen out on stage, they're immediately thinking about those two men are having sex with Sodom each other. Sodom and Gomorrah. Exactly. And so like him leading, into, him leading into his sexuality is something that is going to kill him if he lands into this into this nomination and I also think part of that that's important to me uh, that that we that we think about it is if he becomes the nominee tomorrow the next morning there's going to be a sex scandal about him whether it's true or not whether it's completely made up there no 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 no, no, no. have you never seen scandal his his homosexuality is going to be a there's going to be some story that gets planted about his sexuality absolutely any person he's ever slept with has already gotten a call from some oppo so it's gonna be a problem he cannot lean into his sexuality the way they want to five interesting if it's if it's only two like they're going to make it up it doesn't matter yeah and i also want to clarify that the example that I brought up was more of an umbrella when I mentioned mar- when I mentioned marginalized people I was in no way shape or form calling Pete Buttigieg Maya Pete marginalized well, they no, do say and that's not, just, that's not to take away from his experience no, no, but, no, because, but, yeah. but what the point is and what the point we were making right before we went to commercial um, he is a straight acting white man and that is not mm-hmm. saying that people... Well, let's people... say passing, because there's no real way to act. Yeah, I, I let me it's clarify that. I'm not sure. trying... Yeah. I, I'm trying to say that normal everyday... Obviously, the voter who wanted to change your vote in yes. Iowa um, didn't even realize that he was gay. I'm not saying that gays act all different kinds of ways. And sure. people don't understand that about people who are LGBTQ. But because he can kind of get away with that, he he doesn't necessarily have the discrimination that somebody who is more for sure effeminate yeah and and that is something that he has not had to deal with but what makes me question i do think that there is a white male privilege element to his candidacy yeah he is a mayor of a town with a hundred thousand people where he has had issues as mayor that's meanwhile think about if that was a black lesbian who has had the same record, 
had the same she yeah. have been South Bend, yeah, she, she would not be in this conversation. Well, I, I, and that's, that's where the different. inequality comes in. Yeah, yeah. that's common sense, Rance. <laughs> we know, we know that. We be, we no, no, that. no, no, no. I, but I think yeah. it's an important. I think it is important to recognize, like, yeah, if sure. that like Pete Buttigieg being a white man is what's allowing him to be in this conversation, Literally. right? And so, um, Karen, I, I mean, we're going to be talking to Karen Oakham in just a couple of minutes. Um, Deborah, I want to let you have the last word on this before we um, before we move on. I get the last word on Pete. You get the last word on Pete. Oh. Uh, ooh, that is <laughs> um, no. I guess I mean my last word is that like I understand that he's queer and isn't a queer person that like you know leaves me inclined to like him. But because I am queer, I could put that aside mm-hmm. and just look mm-hmm. at his track record and say you know you're the mayor of a town that would fit into my mother's apartment in Brooklyn. Um, and as, as someone else just said, if you were a, a black, <laughs> black, no, no, small, small, but like a black <laughs> lesbian or any woman, his, his, uh, you know, objective lack of qualifications would be something that we discussed. Absolutely. I just yeah. don't see, yeah. there are 70 cities in California that have more people than South Bend, Indiana, and no one thinks the mayor of Fontana is qualified to be president. That's what I'm saying. That's a really good point. Um, That's great. Deborah, I really, really appreciate you being on the phone with us. Um, let people know where they can find out more about what you're doing. Uh, you know what? I uh, am launching can something on, on... in about, Go ahead. about a month. But I'm just generally on the internet. You'll have me on in about a month. I'll tell you guys what you're up to. I'm always up to something nonpartisan and large scale that is just going to help Americans cast ballots. All right. Love, Love to see it. Deborah Cleaver is the founder of Vote.org. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Deborah. Thank um, you so much. Bye, guys. Okay. Bye. So I said that I thought it was important that we talk about the context of this week um, when we're looking at what happened in Iowa, right? Iowa was a, an S show at the very least. <laughs> um, and uh, I thought it went smoothly. Well, it, like, <laughs> really? Iowa happened, and You're then being Tuesday. Right. <laughs> Listen, be clear. Okay. So that Monday was Iowa. Tuesday, we had uh, the State of the Union come. And then Wednesday, we had the acquittal of the president. And I thought oh. that it, it really kind of colored the way that uh, everything happened. I thought George Stephanopoulos um, set up the debate very well. Here's how he said that. But a week it has been in American politics. We heard from the president at the State of the Union, the Senate with their vote to acquit President Trump, and the Democratic voters of Iowa, who after days of confusion, seem to have delivered a split decision to Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg. Four days from now, the voters here in New Hampshire will weigh in, and the chair of New Hampshire's Democratic Party said today that this is probably the most consequential New Hampshire primary debate ever. We're going to do our best to make it a full oh, and fair did. test. So I think it's important to, to, to look at this through the context of, like, this presidential race is going to be a lot different than any of the ones that we've had past because New Hampshire is going to seemingly be the first state, really, that's going to have any kind of consequence. Um I'm curious if you guys think that New Hampshire now is going to be changed at all by this crazy week. How do you guys foresee New Hampshire coming around? So I'll let you, you start there. Uh, I mean, like, it's it's Bernie's to lose. I think that this is a state that once again plays very heavily into his uh, key demographic of, you know, liberal white people. How do you... And um, I... What'd you say? How do, how do you see Pete Buttigieg doing there? I think this he'll probably get probably get a little bit of a bump and maybe take away Biden's second place finish in New Hampshire. I think Joe. Oh, I agree. I think Joe Biden was really really hurt by this, mm-hmm. um, and I think that 
we, we do there are a lot of people that say he's like really trying to hedge his bets to, to South Carolina yeah. but like if he loses back to back and then loses yeah, in Nevada he's out of it I, his I, narrative's gone I don't know how much longer Joe Biden has in the race I don't, we saw today that Andrew Yang has already laid off some people from his campaign yeah they're done I think the race is starting to get a lot tighter after yeah. New Hampshire listen and November Nevada. is around Finally. the corner I mean, and well, Super Tuesdays are even closer, yeah, right? Like, yeah. we'll, we'll see on March 3rd. Gosh, we have to vote on Super Tuesday. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. March 3rd, and then on the 6th, I believe, Hillary's documentary hits Hulu. You are so Which excited about this documentary. I am salivating you, I, over this. You literally said it, it half so a dozen good. times today. I am salivating over this. Did you see her on Ellen? Today? I did. Oh my gosh, it was I a did. great interview. So, okay. I, I want to bring in Karen Oakham to this conversation because Karen Oakham has, uh, she always has like a great historical perspective as well to be able to add in. Karen, what do you think, uh, how do you perceive New Hampshire being impacted by uh, this this crazy week that we've had? Oh, heavens, what a, he, well, hi, and thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I just, um, God, that's a big question. Um, I think that we're sort of living in parallel universes here. I mean, the impeachment, a lot of people now are sort of moving past impeachment, other than people who are in the House of Representatives hmm. who are pissed as hell at John Bolton for, you know, not coming forward. And now there's more and more stuff coming out about Trump and his alliances. Trump doesn't care. So here's the big question. Who on that stage do you think could actually go toe to toe with Donald Trump if he deigns to even be on a stage to debate? Remember, Hillary, and Rance knows this, Hillary had the most extraordinary resume of any presidential candidate ever. Mm-hmm. And what did Trump do? He skulked around and he won. I mean, he, he didn't win the popular vote, but he put on this show. He's a reality TV star. And everybody's up there talking about policy. And, uh, you know, I was listening a little to your uh, debate and it was sounds a lot like you know, purity tests in some way, where I think we're all starting to get focused on who the hell can go toe-to-toe and beat Donald Trump. Well, this is something that we talked about. Who do you all think could actually beat him? This is something we talked about on Monday, that voters are going to the polls or to the caucus in Iowa, um, and they're they're paying attention to this more like a pundit or a strategist than as an an everyday voter. And I'm curious as we... Well, I think well, having make seen a mistake and screw up. I think having seen the way that Iowa went, I think that's going to even more so like make people wonder that question in New Hampshire. Go ahead, Rance. I, I just wanted to say a quick point here. I think that if the election in 2016 had happened the day after any of the debates or after the the DNC um, uh, after the the DNC convention, that's what I was going to say. Um, I think that the Democrats could have won the day after. But what Trump is good at doing is he's good at changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. So he loses yeah. a debate. Everyone clearly thinks Hillary wins. And the very next day, he finds a way to divert people's attention. Right. What and- pe- The person who it doesn't matter if the person beats Trump on the debate stage. What matters is that they are able to control the narrative because Trump is going to be playing bait and switch the entire general election. Well, which is why I think that serious consideration 
really needs to be given to Michael Bloomberg because I've been reporting on him and he is already running a national campaign. He was in Compton today with Antonio Villaraigosa and a number of other African-American supporters. So he is showing up places and he is going for votes. Remember, he was a three-term New York City mayor. So he does know how to reach out. And I know about stop and frisk and all that, but look at some of the mayors that he's, uh, you know, won over. Uh, I think it's going to wind up a brokered convention uh, between Bernie Sanders and uh, and Bloomberg. And if you I, look I, at Karen, what... I, I don't know. I, I mean, we were we were having a conversation about Michael Bloomberg earlier, and I, I think we will really see how Michael Bloomberg plays across the country when we get to uh, Super Tuesday in March. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm still really conflicted about Michael Bloomberg. I, 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 I mean, as far as who I like, I like Tom Steyer more than I like Bl- Michael Bloomberg. But like Michael Bloomberg, we played earlier, like, I, he's got a lot of hurdles to I jump over. Se- I haven't seen enough of him a- a- as well. And, and just to answer your question, I might be living in a fantasy world, but I honestly think that Warren could take on Trump. I think that she has clear, mm-hmm. concise thoughts. No stumbling, no fumbling, no tripping over her words. I agree. She's Not a straight shooter. No. But I mean, see, Hillary smart. Clinton, the she's difference, different the difference with Hillary is that Hillary had uh, a record that I think was uh, embedded in people's minds more than Warren. And, the, the, and Right. Yes. She had an image. And then there was the whole, you know, Hillary came with the bill baggage. There was a whole lot that factored into Hillary uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, in comparison to Warren. And on top of that, I believe that their deliveries are just different. Well, I think Hillary, Hillary, that, Hillary you can learn all about that message on the Hulu documentary, Hillary. March. <laughs> No, I, I think that Warren is she's she's witty enough. She has her quips and she's a she's about like her mind is sharp enough to take on Trump and completely embarrass him on a debate. Stage. Well, I think, it, I think to, to Char's point that Hillary Clinton came into this race with a with basically a 100 percent name ID like Donald Trump did. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so Hillary Clinton also had like 30 years of people who have been battering her name and, dragging and, her. and you know, yes. she had run in mm-hmm. multiple campaigns that were nationalized campaigns because of the nature of who she was. She had been the first lady of Arkansas and been Dragged for not changing her last name, like Hillary Clinton came with so much, much more baggage. baggage mm-hmm. that, the Barack that, Obama, the 08 election, yeah. the staying with Bill after Monica. Like Hillary has way more receipts, as the streets say, yes. than Warren. You know, than than the public might have yeah. on Warren. And Absolutely. I feel like. I feel like what Hillary might have done in 2016 that could make it easier for Warren to win a na- uh, win the general election is I always think it's uh, it's going to be harder for the first person who, of that a is cer- true. of a certain type. Yes. So yeah, because she was the I first totally woman, agree. now people are she like, okay, bullets, I can kind of so see a woman as a president now because yeah. Hillary made us see like, okay, a woman can do this. And there were now, more, Elizabeth, there were, especially this round, there were more women that were willing to step up to the plate. And so many sorts. women that got elected and, in yeah, 2018. Inspired so many women. And the it was next like a time it'll be even more women. And yeah, yeah, and then also it was kind of that like the year of the woman came right after. I mean, Me Too, yeah. all this thing where and women the were kind March of owning and their power. And I think mm-hmm. that also kind of all falls into the same pot. And Absolutely. Why we're Someone we're has to break the ceiling yes. and then others yeah. can go through. And even though one could argue that that might not matter to certain voters because the overwhelming majority of white women in the United States still voted for John, Donald Trump after the, and you know, the, after the grabbing. So I think what's also interesting God. and that we, we joked about this in watching the debate tonight. Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, they love to like tout this line that 
they, they have they never lost say, honey. Well, no, 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 not even that one. They they love to tell. I'll, I'll play it for you. How about we start with what a president can do? I love saying this all by herself. On Her, Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren love to do that as if it's the first time anyone's ever heard them say it. <laughs> and as if the audience is going to be like, oh, my God. You know what? You know what? That is their version of Lady Gaga's. There can be a hundred people exactly. in the room. Exactly. It definitely is. That's and their I, version. I think they're... Like part of me loves like the the being able to reframe like how people think about a president because we always think about a president yeah. in in the masculine form. But like it also it frustrates me because I'm like y'all gonna have to come up with something better than this because it's only February and we're we have all the way to go till November. Yeah. So yeah, I go ahead. have to think about people who are tuning in for the first time because uh, you know look the turnout in Iowa was actually not uh, as huge as everybody expected it to be. So now there's this whole concern about turnout, which is another thing that's kind of impacting, uh, you know, New Hampshire. But but the deal is, is that we just had Trump do a Saturday night massacre. So he is on a revenge kick mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people are scared. So now it's like, OK, well, we need to turn out. But who do we turn out for? And I like this one and I like that one, but I may go for this one. California is voting right now. And I just talked to a friend of mine. I I just did a story on this is uh, National Black AIDS Awareness Day. Yes, it is. And I did a story on that. So I was talking to uh, to one of my friends and he said that, you know, he's putting his uh, his vote in the mail tomorrow. And even though Joe Biden did so poorly, uh, he's still voting for Joe Biden. I think it's going to be interesting to see the fact that California yeah. had just started voting and like our our official voting date is on March 3rd. But like California has one of the longest like election seasons, really, not just election early day. Early voting, vote by mail. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We've, we've got people early voting now. I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to see how like the headlines that we have going on right now will impact the way that California votes. But um, I, I don't know. I don't think that Michael Bloomberg has California and I don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to surprise us come Super Tuesday. I, I think he will be he might do well in some places and get like a second or third place finish, but I just can't see him winning any states. I think Pete I is think that people are hungering for somebody to go up against Trump and give it to him just as good as he gives. And I think that's two New Yorkers. That's Queen and, and Brooklyn or Bronx or something. Uh, but you know, it's like, look, Bloomberg is a real billionaire. Trump is not. Yeah, Karen, I just, I don't, I don't think people are going to care. I don't think people know his name well enough. And I think he's got too many, like, too many negative ticks against him. Stop and frisk this uh, anti-trans comment that we just played. The fact that yeah, he the is a billionaire, I think it's The for, anti-trans con, uh, comment was taken out of context because when that, when What's he said that in 2016, there were a number of, because I covered this too, there were a number of uh, anti-trans bills that were, you know, kind of like what they did in uh, in 2004. There were a number of anti-trans bills, and he was in uh, in England trying to explain what those what the bathroom bills were all about. There were something like 16 bathroom bills or something. So he was like trying to explain that, and he. 
he did it, you know, clearly and perfectly, and he has to explain that. But I think that it's all being taken out of context. Is is my understanding? I I, I hear you. I just I I don't know. I think I like that he's investing so much money. I like that he's mm-hmm. he's promising his money to the DNC, and I, I I love those things about him, and I love that he's such a and and a strong detractor from Donald Trump or you know opponent of Donald Trump. I just don't think that it's going to connect with people. And I mean, he's trying to run in you know all of these different states, but I. I've not seen people like really getting excited about him. I, I do think it's also important to recognize that like Donald Trump's approval rating is as high as it's ever been. Forty nine coming out of coming God, out of God, impeachment. God. I think it's important to recognize like Iowa turnout was was not you know in the epic numbers that it was. I do think there's something to be said that, and I, I want to say someone was saying this on Monday that the Iowa turnout really made me a little bit nervous. Oh yeah, because it's it's one of two things. It's either people feel like I don't care which one of these candidates mm-hmm. is, I'll take any one of them, or they're more apathetic than we think they are. And it makes me nervous that they may not care. Was it lower? Was reports saying it was lower than 2016? It was about on par with 2016. Okay. And so the idea that that we did not have an extraordinary turnout Yikes. makes me a little bit nervous. It could it could be People one or the might other, be but I don't know. Faith, but I do want to say before because I see we only have a few minutes left. According to ABC, the most tweeted about U.S. politicians, of course, during tonight's Democratic debate. This is in order. You ready? Go. Number one, Donald Trump. Number two, Joe Biden. Number three, Mayor Pete. Number four, Bernie Sanders. Number five, Elizabeth Warren. And number six, Nancy Pelosi. Interesting that Nancy Pelosi made that list and not Amy Klobuchar or Tom Steyer or Andrew Yang, right? Like, it's interesting. They're still clutching their pearls over the paper rip. I think that the order is also. to really, really worry about is whether or not Bernie Sanders supporters uh, back whoever winds up being the nominee. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Right after after, uh, Mayor Pete came out and claimed victory, uh, there was this whole hashtag mayor cheat. And it yes. was a barrage <laughs> of Bernie bros. And I, I've been already attacked by the Bernie bros. Who hasn't at this point? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. So they're the not direction. going to, and Bernie sort of hedged on it too, uh, well, you know, in tonight's debate. Yeah, of course he would support the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he did that with Clinton. Yeah, yeah, well, Karen, yeah. His I, supporters. Karen, I don't know. I, Karen, I want to know. Democrats. I want to know what you think. Uh, who is your candidate to win New Hampshire really quickly? Oh, I can't tell you that. Not who do you oh, want. I who do you think you will mean, win? Oh, I, I see. Just as a reporter. You yes. Mean. Yes. Who do you think will win New Hampshire? Mm, I don't know. I think that Mayor Pete is really trying to rope in okay. um, independence. So that may that may give him a, a hedge. I think the, right. tonight the debate went to, to either Elizabeth Warren or Amy Klobuchar, I think, made a lot of uh, very b- big points. I think Yang and, and Biden are... Hanging by a thin. All right. So, Karen, I want to let I want to let people know that they can find out more about all of the work that you do on the Los Angeles Blade. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I really appreciate it. Thanks for letting me uh, chat with you. all. (laughs) Of course. Um, Okay. 
as we look ahead to New Hampshire, which happens uh, next week, who do you guys think is going to uh, is going to be the next the next winner that we'll see out of an election? Who do you, what do you think? Um, I'm hoping that Elizabeth pulls strong. Um, that's just someone personally that I want. Me too. I'm not ready to um, count her out. I don't think we should be counting her out. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if we're looking at numbers, poss- if, you know, and it's strictly on numbers, probably Bernie. Hmm. I. I, I <laughs> I think you're right. I like <laughs> I was, I was, I, it's frustrating what? to me because I think I think realistically, if Bernie Sanders or Pete Buttigieg become the nominee it's for the so Democratic sad. Party, we have some significant issues yes. to face. First of all, just just the thought of what that debate would look like, not between them two, but them and and the current resident of the hives. White House. The I'm only just like, the only debate that I, I'm really entertained by. I'm also not by, here for VP Tulsi Gabbard. Like, oh, oh God, no, my, of course, I'm please. really worried that I, that's who he'd pick. No, I, I can't imagine that at all. But I do think that if if Bernie Sanders or or people to just become the candidate where we have some real issues. I would be really interested to see what Elizabeth Warren would look like in a debate against Donald Trump. She'd I think great. that would be I interesting. I think she, she would, would chew incredible. him up. Don't count her out. Don't I think she out. would chew him up. I would love to see that. That we'd have to do with some snacks and maybe some libation. Okay. I want to I think that's a great way place to end it. I want to thank uh, all of my guests Deborah Cleaver, the founder of vote.org, uh Karen Oakham from the Los Angeles Blade, Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There with Sharon Ryan right here on the new channel Q pop, pop culture journalist entertainment Chief. journalist Shar <laughs> uh, Jossel Rance Allen founder of Bros for America Collins I keep saying Rance Allen because it's a gospel, gospel star singer. it's a gospel singer I, it's my you fault you don't want me to do that Rance Collins uh, from <laughs> Bros for America I thank you all for being here uh, we will be back here on the night of the New Hampshire primary uh, we'll see you then have a good night election night in late night with Jarrett Hill